What's happening? This is the Tap In Podcast. We are live, baby, inside the Tap In studio. Man, I got a guest, a special guest today. Comes highly recommended. Mr. Tony Jr. man, how you feeling, man? Man, once upon a time called now. I'm I'm feeling good, bro. How you feeling, bro? I'm good, man. Thank hey. you for tapping in with us, man. Hey, man, it's a blessing to be here on the Tap In Podcast, man. You know, we just here vibing, waved out. You know, I got my drink and all that stuff. That's you know, right. I'm triple cupped up because we in the triple D. You That's know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> okay, know. okay. Man, so I've 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 heard some of your music. My favorite one was Floating. Uh, you right. know what I'm saying? All right. I could tell that was a weed inspired song, or was it? Oh, it definitely was. Oh, okay, it definitely was. <laughs> okay, it definitely was. <laughs> okay, man. I want I want to get into your um. I want to get into your backstory first, man. Are you originally from Dallas? Yeah, I'm from Oak Cliff, Texas, man. Born okay. And raised. I mean, I moved around like once I was like nine and ten. We moved around on the north side, so but yeah, that's that's the roots, man. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I found I found that yours and my story is has a lot of parallels. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for real? Yeah. Okay. In, in, in this way, right? Because when I was growing up, me and moms, we all lived in the hood, right? Mm-hmm. And then moms start elevating work-wise, and then she kind of moved us out. You know what I mean? But my roots and my heart is still with the hood or in the neighborhood. I still got friends. For sure. You know what I'm saying? And I felt like... That was kind of, is that similar to what your background is? I mean, yeah. I mean, like, my home base was always, like, my grandmother's house in Oak Cliff, like, the place that I grew up in off Hampton and led better, you know what I mean? Um, and after that, like, my mom and I, we moved to, like, Duncanville, stayed over there. Then we had some uh, unfortunate events happen, like, you know, house got foreclosed on, car got repossessed. Then we moved to the north side with my aunt. And that's when I first, like, lived on the north side. And I was like, oh, it's kind of nice out here. You know, <laughs> like, it's you can walk down the street and you can go to the basketball court without having to, having to worry about shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. at the same time, like, I call my story like a, a Hannah Montana story because, like, even though I lived out there, like, my mom and them were, like, pastors and all that. And my family's on the south side. So I would be out there, back on the south, out there, back on the south. So I got to keep you know the grooming from the the black community while learning all the new things in the new white community that i was in you know what i mean mm. so yeah so i will say it was kind of similar to that you know what i mean like my mom definitely uh made a, a good amount of money and like we moved and all that good stuff so i won't say i was never that poor kid because i never went without you know what i'm saying but uh but yeah, nah. When we had the opportunity to get up and get out, yeah, we moved. <laughs> Hell yeah, get the hell up out of there. Do you got any uh, siblings or is yeah. just you? No, I got a little brother. Me and him are six years apart. What up, Isaac? What's okay. up, little nigga? Uh, but no, I got other like people that I grew up with that I consider brothers as well. Cause like you know, me and my brother are six years apart. So I had um, I had a lot of uh, what you would call like best friends that like my mom's best friends all had kids after she did so like there's five of us that six of us that i grew up with and i'm the oldest out of them but the next one came 
in March of 1990. I was born in November 89. The next one came September 89. The next one came January 91. The next one, like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. So I grew up with all these niggas. So, like, these are my brothers, too. Like, shout out my nigga Will. Shout out Sir Thomas. Shout out my nigga AX. Shout out my nigga Lucky7. Shout out my nigga Landon. Shout out my nigga Fire. What up, bro? You know? They was mad at me because I didn't shout them out on my last interview. So I had to make sure I <laughs> shouted these niggas out. <laughs> <laughs> shout out niggas Shout out You know what I'm saying shout And while I'm out At shout outs man Shout out my nigga John John bro He's a, another artist His name is uh, McCoy Music He's a dope uh, rapper uh, Engineer and producer He does it all You know what I mean He he real nice out here Okay Low key I had a show going out To Austin uh, one time And he was like The coogie to my Kanye Cause that nigga filmed The whole thing like that shit was fucking dope too like yeah that whole gonna come out at some point like it came out a little bit on my youtube but we gonna make it like a whole film later on too that's dope that's yeah, bro. i think more artists should start doing exactly what um oh boy what was his name coogie coogie yeah i think more people should start doing that and holding that footage you nah, know what i'm saying sure. don't let don't put it out too soon hold it until when y'all get on that major stage? Hell yeah. And let's I not get it dope. fucked up. Coogie was a known stand-up comic, too. He put his career on hold just to film that shit for Kanye because he knew he had some crazy shit going yeah, on. You know what I mean? Yeah, So, nah, like, hey, bro. He, that's when people knew how to stay in their lane. Like, <laughs> Big Gip said this whole on the Art of Organized Noise. He's like, man, that's what I love back in, in, in the 90s era because everybody knew how to stay in their lane. The DJ didn't want to rap. The executive didn't want, to, didn't want to be in the videos. He's like, now it seems like everybody want to be a star. You know everybody want to be all in the videos, you dancing know? and shit. Oh, you ain't got to go sug on that nigga, bro. You ain't, you ain't have to do that, bro. Everybody want to do that, man. So how did you even um, pick up music? Like, How did you even say, you know what, fuck it, I'm about to get in the booth or get in the studio? Oh, bro, it was that. It wasn't even the booth first, bro. Like... My family is nothing but a bunch of preachers, singers, and musicians anyway. So, like, I we grew up in the church. So, I was playing drums at age four, playing with grown folks by age six in grown folks' church because my cousins would let me, like, my mom's first cousins, my second cousins have been gospel recording artists for over 40 years. Shout out to Texas Boys and all that stuff. Uh, you know what I mean? So, oh, that was, like... It was just there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, even with, like, when I played basketball, like, I grew up playing ball. It was always basketball and music. Like, it was just there. You know what I mean? So, when you just hear the stuff, like, I would be hearing my mom play, like, Sounds of Blackness, like, when we riding in the car, like, or hearing her play, like, Donnie McClurkin or, like, all this other stuff. And then you, like, you know what? I could probably do this shit, too. You know uh, what I'm saying? But I've known what I want to do since I was three. Like, I heard that, uh, that song Sweat, that that song and uh, i was like okay. three i was what three two three two three years old and i was like oh this shit fire i want to do this like what then my dad got a story um when i was staying with him and the thriller video came on mtv i'm a baby he thought i was gonna get scared i started dancing to the video like mm. it was right when they started doing the choreo and i tried to mimic the choreo so it's like it's just like i've always been drawn to it like uh, I was talking on the phone with a friend the other day. She was like, what do you think you'd be doing if you wasn't doing music? I was like, probably dead because I don't know what <laughs> I would be doing if it wasn't for music, bro. Like, really? that music is my life, bro. Like, I DJ for over 10 years, play over four different instruments. Now I'm actually, like, singing and doing my own artistry. I mean, I've been doing that since I was, like, 13 uh, with my boys AX and Lucky7, the one, two of them, uh, the ones that I grew up with. So it's, like, it's just been innate. We've always been around it. Really? Yeah, bro. 
how did you know at three that that was even a possibility? I didn't. All I knew was I wanted to do it. Really? That's it. That's I was like, no, I want to do this shit. Like, what? Why not? Then, yeah. like, you grow up and being in, like, church productions and you grow up performing. And, like, it's just something that you're used to. You know what I mean? Like, growing up doing it, you don't think you're really doing nothing big because it's just an interest. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, I heard a saying that interesting people are only people who are just interested. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like, even, and I'm not, like, for just using this reference, like, you wanted to be interview me on the podcast that had to be because i was doing something i was mm. interested in something so like oh what's this again to da, 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 da. you know what i mean so i'm just always interested uh, yeah. okay. now coming from i guess a church background I always hear these stories where or at least on tv or movies where they was like no they don't want you to do secular music or right you know did you ever feel that pressure or anything in your family? I mean, we started, like, when me and my boys started doing music, it was more so geared toward gospel because, like, well, in my house, you couldn't listen to nothing but gospel music or old school music, which is why I make Triple D Funk because I grew up on old school funk and R&B and soul music. So, like, naturally you do what you, you know, grew up on. But at first, like, I will say you start to realize, like, yo, okay, I'm writing for Jesus. But if you really think about it, um, if you really think about it, every gospel song that's talking about Jesus sounds like a love song that's R&B. Right. It's just talking about one specific person. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So when you got that, you're like, you know what? I could do this shit. I really could do this shit. You know? So it's just that shit, you know? Like, so then I realized, you know what? Normally, when they talk about glamorizing, like, the secular world and all that, oh, you're singing about sex, da-da-da, but that's not normally what I'm singing about. You sing about your experiences, you know what I'm saying? Like, R&B music is fit made to fit a narrative, which is cool. There's nothing wrong with that, but at the same time, you're over here like, all right, but I can make R&B music, and it doesn't have to be sex-driven. It can be emotions-driven. It can be this-driven. It can be that-driven. Like, it's just a whole thing, like a whole template for you to use you know what i'm saying you can go anywhere with it you don't have to just be in one specific lane or like all this shit you know yeah 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 man because i wish i wish i could either hold a note get in the booth like i wish i could do any of that you know what i'm saying yeah i wish i wish i wish i could coming from making music with like a group of people do you prefer um, the solo, or do you prefer the the collaboration? I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely prefer being solo, only because like you don't have to worry about too many minds outside of like engineers and other producers to weigh in on your shit. Mm. But I'll say this: being in a, a group with my brothers, like it was, it was a learning curve. Because you, you have to learn how to collaborate. There's nothing wrong with that. But you also have to learn how to get along even when your views don't align and figure out a way in between. Mm. That's the hard part. Because mm-hmm. it's like we, all of us in our mind, bro, I got this idea to work. And it's like, all right, bro. <laughs> Let's see. And then if it doesn't work, you have to be open to trying something else. 
or just open to just stopping and like figuring out a stopping point and coming back to it. Some people might want to keep going. Some people might want to stop. Some people might just want to be like, fuck it. Let's do a whole new song. So it's like you got different viewpoints on that shit. So it's like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. I, I couldn't imagine being in the, like, creating with a bunch of different people, man. Because creativity is, is, is not a straight line type of, to get to that finish line, to get to that finished product. You know what I mean? Right. Sometimes I've heard of artists starting a song and coming back to that mug two and three years later and then finishing it. You know what I mean? And I'm like, ain't no way. Like, I don't think a group. Let me let me let me back up. I don't think three people or four people or maybe sometimes even two people we even had a patience to be able to go back to something that they scrapped. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where they'll be like, you know what, fuck it. I don't want to even, uh, that song was whack when we started it. I don't even want to go back to it. You know what I mean? Right. That's what I feel like what happens in a group. And that's why we don't have, you know, no more new additions, no more. Um, I mean, that happened in rap too. Like uh, if you listen I, to the Tribe Call or watch the Tribe Call Quest documentary, like Five said one I time, seen that. he was like, "Man, Q-Tip, we be working on a song for like three days, and then I come back to the studio, Q-Tip, like, nah, I just wiped that whole shit, man. I wasn't feeling it no more." He's like, "What the fuck?" Like, like, <laughs> so no, nah, bro. Like, but I've had songs like that that I still got songs that I've written in like. 2017 that I haven't come back to because like it's sometimes like you feel it in a moment and if it's gone you can't force it like that's the worst thing an artist can do is trying to force and finish some shit like I even had a song on my first album Children of the Mothership like that song if you hear that song 92 that song is not finished it was never finished I had a fallout with the whole producer the song was just so dope that I just couldn't like put it out I recorded that whole in 2017 didn't what? put the album out till 2019. All the other songs were current, except that one. And I had to formulate a way to fit that into the narrative. Like, but luckily I had like skits and stuff on the album, so I just formulated the narrative of the skit to like make it seem like I did it in the past, which I did. Mm. So it's like, yeah, sometimes you have to come back later on. But then I was like, you know what? You got to put these songs out too because if you don't, you'll keep the same idea and mentality and all that about your music if you don't get these ideas out you'll be stuck so it's like let me put this shit out it might suck it might be good but mm. i gotta expand more you know what i mean so let me just get this shit out now that that's out i can't go back to that you know what i mean mm. now i can move forward it's the same thing you do with comedy like you tell one joke right it might kill but if you tell it at another venue you're gonna not, you're not gonna tell it the same way because it's not the same people in the crowd. Right. So while amazing. you're reading the room, so bro, you're a creative. Like you already know that. I'm just I'm yeah. just giving you a shit. Because when you do that same shit, bro, that's what you're doing. Because you be like, this joke will kill in this room. But at the same time, the same people in this room aren't the same people that I was at in that other city or other spot I was at. So I gotta figure out to fit the way of the room. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like, um, on one hand, I feel like music is easier to do than, than comedy. Shit. Than, than comedy. Shit. And here's why I say this. Here's why I say this. I say this because with comedy, the only way you get better is by practicing in front of live people. That's the same thing with performing. 
No, but I'm talking about just making music, not performing. Hey, nah. Dude. I'm talking about just making music. I say it like this: You think getting better in front of a crowd is bad? Get try to get better in front of the people that hear your music all the time, and they tell you over and over, <laughs> "Nah, that ain't it. That ain't it. That ain't it, nigga. That show ain't it. Yeah, that ain't it. <laughs> and these are your people. Yeah, nah, that ain't it. Nah, that ain't it. Oh, okay. Yeah, but still, that ain't it. Like, <laughs> it's so, so nah, man. Look, I'll say everybody got to pick their poison in in the type of criticism they want. Cause like, artist wise, you get criticism when you perform. You get criticism when you're in the studio, depending on who's there with you. You get criticism uh, based on who's listening to it, based on their biased on how they think music should be. So like, it's a you really got to have thick skin no matter, like, what type of creative you are. Yeah. Whether that's making art, you know what I'm saying? Whether that's, uh, like, painting, sculpting. Like, you have to be open. Because, again, like, our gifts are not for us. Like, your comedy benefits other people. My music benefits other people. I might be good at it and want to do it. And it is for me. Like, it's my release of, like, release therapy. But at the same time, that's for other people like the gifts that we have aren't for us right because if that was the case we'd just be hoarding them for ourselves but putting that shit out you got to get paid right and then getting paid you realize like you know you're actually helping people like how many times have we heard people like snoop too short or like people that like been in the rap game for a while when you they meet fans man i grew up on you bro you raised me you did this you did that so it's like i don't know who i'm influencing out there yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, nah, we got to take all that into consideration for sure. Yeah. Do you paint? Do you draw? I cannot draw for shit. Really? I can trace. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can get you a fire-ass outline of what's already there. Yeah, put yeah, some yeah. colors on that <laughs> bitch. Honestly, though, I ain't going to lie. Like, my gift that I would say that is, like, quote-unquote female or whatever, I can interior decorate my ass off. Mm, like cause okay. I grew up watching like Fresh Prince Martin and you know in they cribs like it was always decked out with nice stuff and sometimes you couldn't even see the wall so like I would pattern my rooms that way I would get stuff out of like Jet Magazine, Slam Magazine J14 Magazine uh, for all those who were in the magazine era uh, you know what I mean like those uh, Right On Magazine uh, damn it Word Up Magazine you know what I'm saying the Black Magazine and take pictures and just put it on my wall you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then it just became a love. So now that I'm older and, like, have my own spot, I was I was getting art from, like, Ross, from, like, Big Lots and shit. Like, oh, this would look nice. That would look nice. So that's, like, my one thing that I do say I do. I can interior, interior decorate the fuck out of your shit. Okay. I should get paid for it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So, ladies, uh, he, he can interior decorate. Damn, that's a double entendre. <laughs> Why are you playing? I can interior decorate your guts as well, ladies. No. <laughs> hey, man, we, we in here having a good time. Yes, sir. Hey, they got me in here on Crown, y'all. So if, yeah, if I start getting slick at the mouth, man, that's that's what it is. Yeah. Man, who are, um, who is some of your like, musical influence? Like, Who do you listen to? Like, yo, this... Oh, this is man. where I kind of want to pattern my shit at. What? Let's see. I'll, off rip Parliament Funkadelic Outcast. Uh, organized noise when it comes to like my production. Earth, Wind, and Fire, the Gap Band, UGK when it comes to like soulful samples. Uh, Big Crit, uh, my soul brother from the South. I swear, like 
if I was gonna be on signed to any like label or indie label, I'd be signed to Multi. Like Multi to the sun fucking die. Crit, if you listening, my nigga, look find me, dog. Okay. Um, okay. Let's see. Um, I grew up on. Oh, shout out Dallas, y'all, bro, and peoples. You know, don't stop the music. Um, don't be stopping. Don't you stop. Don't stop the music. Yeah, okay, that yeah, one. Okay. You don't really want to stop. Yeah. Uh, you know. Um, that song is hard. You know what I'm saying? Um, I grew up on a lot of West Coast, like G Funk. Like, uh, I tell people the biggest compliment that I've ever got was that I was a Nate dog of the South because I'm like, yo, that's the biggest compliment you, you can give me. Yeah, nigga, I don't rap. What? Yeah, that's okay. how, that's how I know you ain't heard all my music, bro. Like, nah, floating is just something that I do for fun. But like, no, uh, like my shit jam. Like, shit, I ain't even lying to you. What? You know? Yeah. Okay, shit. Like, shit. Honestly, hold up. What you listen to your music on? Like Spotify. Like um, title. Oh, bet. Let me see. We gonna we gonna do this for the listeners while we while we on this hoe. Like, while we talking, all you got to do is hold up the phone to your mic. I'm going to play one song. You're going to be like, nigga, that's you. What song? Uh, Let me let me see that, ho. Let's see. Let's see. What I want to do, people? Yeah. We really out here, y'all. This is live and in color. Y'all can't see the color because y'all on podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> Man. You know. But, yeah, bro, no, I sing. And that's the funny part because everybody be asking, bro, you rap, huh? Like, nigga, no. I'm like, I definitely sing. Uh, you know, definitely sing. Nigga, I definitely, I definitely got to hear like a full. That's why I'm over here like man. trying to get this joint to play because I'm like, play that joint in my, like, yeah, I actually want to see your reaction to this mug too. Okay. Come on. Dude. I don't know if it's the service or what. It might be. Yeah. What's the name of this? It's called I Like It. I Like It. Okay. Yeah, this got some some around the house backyard party type yeah. shit. Yeah. As soon as he hear me, y'all, he gonna be like, "That's you." That's you. <laughs> I told y'all. <laughs> See, he did it. He's like, "That's you." That's triple D funk. And he's talking about weed, this next bar. <laughs> Just huh. Like some uh, Jeffrey Osborne or something. Yeah, something. LTD. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I listen to Jeffrey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You didn't even realize that's the barge. Ooh, and I like it. Remember that song? Yeah. 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 What is his name? Um, start with an S. He was, I think he was in Shalimar or something. What's the dude's name? Oh, I know he's talking about. I forgot his name too. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, okay. I be trying okay. to tell you, man. Yeah, okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. Be, I be trying to, bro. Yeah. yeah that's okay. the triple D funk, bro. That yeah. that's what it is in a nutshell. Like you hear all the old school influences, all the all the the new age singing over yeah bro like for what? sure for sure okay okay yeah man put me on man bro put i told on. you floating you is not man? floating is not the only jam i'm trying to tell you floating is not the only one i got a lot of them i got okay. a lot of god damn you know for those who are trying to uh find where i'm at online you know it's tony j-r-t-o-n-y-j-r all one word search me on all platforms i'm on that huh as you can see, we got Dante in this whole jumping tap in podcast yeah. will never be the same. Yeah. He said, "He said you sing." I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware. Who uh, who produced the music? That that you heard is a producer named Eclectic. He's actually based in London. Uh, I actually found him on YouTube. Yeah, he's really? nice. He's nice. He's nice as fuck. I got a a, a new tr- a new album coming out after this one that I'm about to release. And he has a track on that one already too. Really? Yeah. God damn. Okay. Yeah, sure. That damn Tony Jr. Man. Hey. Shit. Now is your is your um because my daddy name is Tony right? Mm-hmm. But he goes by Anthony. Mm-hmm. Do you go by Tony or Anthony? I mean, my first name is Anthony, which is where the Tony Jr. came from, and I'm a junior. But honestly, like my full name is Anthony Lawrence Coleman Jr. I've always gone by Lawrence or LC. Uh, mm. But the Tony Jr. comes from the Anthony and the Junior part. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. You know. Yeah. But you will not be surprised how many people, yeah, this is for Tony Jr.? It's <laughs> Jr., my guy. <laughs> Fuck. It's J-, J fucking R, man. Yeah. But no, it happens. Man. And would you want to get signed by a label at this point in the game? Because I'm seeing, like, a lot of, I guess, independent um, mm-hmm. acts that's mm-hmm. popping would you want to get signed or would you stay like independent? I would sign for distribution uh, because since I write my own shit, arrange my own shit, like I would definitely want to get what I'm worth. Uh, because honestly, as you heard in the music, it's like, oh, I can guarantee you, you'll get your return on your investment. It's just a matter of, are you going to give me what I need? Because I got the product. I've been working on the product since I was 13 years old. So mm. shit, I'm 32 now. So like yeah. nah like we can definitely uh, work on that. But if you're gonna take my publishing and all that, like I mean, you can have some of it. I don't even want you to have some of it, but because <laughs> I know the, but because I know the way the business works, like nah, I want the the lion share. Yeah. So I was I had a um a, a marketing guy that markets for um, three hundred and a couple of different other record labels. He mm-hmm. came in and he was saying like. He was like, "Look, man, it's gonna take a label two hundred fifty thousand to push a record for you." Coach K even said that um, the owner um, with P and QC. Yeah, yeah. He was like, he was at Revolt. He said that to push and make a song number one, you know, you need at least two hundred racks. Yeah, and it's like to an independent artist, we're like, "Fuck, nigga, if I <laughs> if I ain't no dope boy, how the fuck I'm gonna get that money?" You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like yeah you 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 deal with those types of scenarios and situations and I ain't gonna lie those scenarios are a motherfucker too man because it's like when you know you got the product to get somewhere but niggas ain't listening or they not really trying to hear because they're weary of it. I'm like bruh I I'm telling you dog if you trust me like but it don't work that way it don't cause you know 
from shout out to BC. BC is the one I'm talking about. He said that you know it wasn't even about the record, right? Yeah. He was just saying two hundred fifty thousand dollars is just to move you around from city to city, That's fact. plane to plane, uh, transportation. If you got people with you, you want to bring your boys, your family, or your or Shit. your people around you, right? All this is going to take 250000 And that's all coming out of your pocket. Man. And we going to shake hands, kiss babies, let them know, hey, this is the record that everybody needs to be on. And I'm just like. Musicians are low-key politicians until they actually up. make it. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You got to shake the right hands. You got to go to places you don't normally want to go. Like, you put in the hours, which is cool. But at the same time, you're just like, bro, when is it going to actually, like, pay off? Like, again, like. I took from 18 to 26. I took eight years off because I was in school. I was playing, like, college ball, so I went to three different schools. So I took eight years off. Got back into it in 2016. 2016, I got two albums out, an EP, a whole bunch of singles, three songs on a TV show that's Emmy-nominated, and still ain't got enough to feed myself. You know what I mean? I'm still working a nine-to-five. So like you know what I'm saying it's it's a it's a grind like people don't really understand how much work you really do put into it. and that's not even counting the hours like writing and getting ideas or scrolling through YouTube when producers in the city don't really want to give you the time of day or whatever type cuz they don't know you type shit so it's just like yo like all right I got to do it on my own like people be asking like hey how many producers you work with in the city only a couple as as much as I be making music and shit like all of my music came from people off YouTube why is that? Because it's a bunch of people that make music in the city, in Dallas. There is. So why is that? Like, why is it not something where people are collaborating with each other? You know what I mean? I mean, because, well, I can't speak for everybody else, but in Dallas, everything is, like, competition-based. Like, it's more like, nah, if I get on with this nigga, this nigga might outshine me. If this nigga get on with me, he might outshine me. I'm, I'm not like that. I mean, I got my own lane, as you can see. So it's like... I'm collaborating to make your song better, to put my name out there, and to make a good song. All I care about is the music. I th- I would think from a producer standpoint, his whole point is to get somebody that's dope to get on his song. You know, a what producer, on- yeah, but another artist, no. No, no, I'm not speaking about artists because, like, artists, I know it could be like I was saying earlier, creatively trying to collaborate. It could be a whole thing. Right. But with a producer, somebody who's producing the music, I would think that'll be kind of like a no-brainer. You know what I mean? A dope producer, a dope artist. Like, that's the, that's the recipe for a dope album or a dope song. That's you know Dre what I'm and Snoop. That's Dre and Snoop. That's Organized Noise and Outkast. That's, you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's Diddy and Biggie. That, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's Jay-Z and Dame. You know what I mean? Well, Dame didn't produce, but you know what I mean? So like yeah, that's Kanye and Jay. That's Kanye and Jay. Just exactly. And Jay, that's yeah. that's Pharrell and uh, Pharrell and Justin Timberlake. That's Timbo and Justin Timberlake. That's Pharrell and Snoop. Like you need that. But again, these are also genuine lovers of music. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying that people that are artists now don't love music, but at the same time, it's like they always say, "Oh, I'm here because I'm trying to get paid. I'm here because I'm trying to get this. I'm trying." To get... But like. Dr. Dre even said, the money's going to come if you're good. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't worry about the money. I worry about the craft. You know what I mean? Like, I may not have everything that I want society-wise, but the thing that I care about, my music, oh, that was great. Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for the opportunity to showcase that greatness, and then I'm out of here. 
You know what I mean? Like, I I attribute it to like people that work nine to fives and just chill on a nine to five and get complacent is because that's that's like instant gratification. You get paid every two weeks. You get paid bi weekly. You get paid at once every month type shit. Music, you don't know when you're gonna get paid. I've been doing this shit damn near seven years now. Only got paid a few times. And I'm still going back at it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's a true passion. Yeah. That's not just something that I'm out here trying to get paid off of. Because if that was the case, I'd be out here making bullshit-ass songs trying to make a check. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I make music for your soul. Yeah. No disrespect. I'm not talking about anybody in particular. And if you take it that way, I'm sorry. But I, I said what I said. But at the same time, it's just like, nah, bro, I really care about this shit. I care the fuck about this shit. You know what I'm saying? Like like I said, I couldn't picture myself doing nothing else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what's being lost in the music industry now because they're being signed because of how many followers you have or there's a certain gimmick that you're trying to get on or this. But the people that we love, Stevie, Prince, Michael, uh, even Beyonce, Luther Vandross, uh, motherfucking Ohio players, Parliament Funkadelic, Stein, the Family Stone, uh, Jeffrey Osborne, and LTD. They made timeless music because they loved music. It wasn't about getting paid. Right. The talent brought the money. Now you're over here focusing on the money, so you're trying to patent your talent. Nah. That's why the music is so original. Mm. Nobody makes a song like Stevie. Nobody can make a song like Mike. Nobody can make a track like Dr. Dre. Nobody can make that same four-bar intro that Pharrell does with every beat he makes so you know that it's his beat. But if you're not a, a music person, you won't even recognize that. Pharrell don't, normally does four beats before he uh, does the, the beat comes in. Think of fronting. Dun, 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 dun. Or I Know <laughs> off of uh, Jay-Z's American Gangster albums. I know, and I know, and I know, and I know. You know what I'm saying? So it's like he loves this. He's he's putting his own signature on this shit. You don't even realize. That's how much he loves this shit. You know what I'm saying? Or think about people that uh, put their lyrics in the – in uh, or not their lyrics, put – other people's lyrics or shouting out somebody else's song in a lyric and you don't even recognize it because they're paying homage to people that they um that they grew up on like i got this song called bsg that's gonna come out on my new project stone and b and the first ver- uh, lyric of the first couple of lyrics of the second verse is liberation yeah i needed this bag got more herb to crumble uh, er- herb to crumble word to outcast first off liberation is an outcast song off the equimini album so then I said got more herb to crumble. That's their song Crumbling Herb off Southern Playlistic Cadillac Music. You see what I'm saying? So it's like you don't even realize I'm giving you songs that I grew up on in my music. But if you never caught on to it, you wouldn't know what I'm telling you. Cuz I'm singing it. Liberation. Yeah, I needed this bad. Got more herb to crumble. Word to outcast. Then the drop is, I'm just crumbling herb. That's from the freaking chorus. <laughs> There's only so much time left in this crazy world. I'm just crumbling herb. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you don't even realize. I'm giving you dope songs that I grew up on that you can go listen to, too. Yeah. So yeah, like, nah, yeah, bro. Yeah, that's yeah. how much I love the music. I'm giving you these songs that I grew up on, too. Like, come on. Like, yeah. That's yeah. why those are the people that need to get signed. Because their music will live on forever. They're not trying to fit a narrative. They're not just trying to make you twerk. I mean, I got a twerk song. That's fine. But it's like, can you expand off that shit? 
That's why Meg is actually good. Shout out um, Bobby Sessions because he be writing for Meg. He from Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he wrote a couple of songs. I don't know how much he writes for Meg, so I can't go on record of saying all that. But anyway, Meg got songs around one thing, but it got so many different feels. Yeah. You ever thought about that? No, I haven't. Yeah, like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I don't listen to Meg every day, but yeah. at the same time, I know why she's on. Mm-hmm. One, she picks beats that have history but they also have a now feel because she got the song i'd rather be a b-i-t-c-h they sample uh boosie collins i'd rather be with you that's why in the chord i'd rather be with you i'd rather be with you yeah you know what i'm saying so it's like you don't even realize bro this is timeless music just being recycled you know what i'm saying yeah snoop said it like this two quotes he said the thing about magic when you make it magic, the ingredients sometimes don't come with instructions. Mm. You just got to know how to put that shit together. Mm. Then he said, every genre of music has a forefather, and every genre of music has that generation to take it to the next level. So just like G-Funk was an extension of P-Funk, Triple D-Funk is an extension of P-Funk mm. and G-Funk. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. But with a southern twist, because I'm from the south. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I feel like some of the... um. I feel like the music, the the labels are influencing the bad, the bad, the not so good records. You know what I mean? That's if, true. If everybody is not really in a love, like love music like that, because somebody who got a, a, a energy, a high energy song, and it's like get everybody in a the club, then record labels come and be like, "Yo, we want to sign that." And so somebody else watching as like, you know what? I'm gonna do that too. I'm gonna do the same shit. You know what I'm saying? Versus somebody coming with originality that make it, it may take them a little longer. You know what I mean? People just throwing out records just so labels could be like, "Yo, we want to invest in that bullshit." That's you know why I say shout out to Migos, man. They came up with their own style and cadence of rap, and then everybody took it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like everybody took it. Like I was just like, bro, all of y'all sound like Migos, low key. You know what I mean? And there's, look, there's nothing wrong with mimicking to a certain extent what you grew up on and what you like, but you can't bite it verbatim. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because even in that song, I like it, you heard uh, me in the background, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, that's Frankie Beverly and Mays, yeah. Joy and Pain. Yeah. So it's like, I have my own version of how I construct my verses, but I can keep this the same because this is the same feel-good feeling that our parents felt. So if it feels good to them, it'll definitely feel good to the new generation because it's like not only that, the parent or I say like this, people who can put the right inflections and type of uh, samples that they grew up on in their music and they do it right have a cheat code because when the old person hear it, they're digging it off their memory. When the young person hears it, they're digging it off the mem- or off the rhythm that's already in their blood. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you can't lose. Chuck D said that. Shout out Chuck D. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's true, though. Because yeah, it if it feels good, it feels good. There's no denying that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. How do you How do you make... Because that song that you play, I like it. It feels like a song that my mom would like, right? For sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I can see myself as a kid, her playing that early in the morning... Waking us all up to go to clean up our yep, rooms, you know what I mean? Saturday, yes. breakfast, and you smell the breakfast and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So how do you make a song like that appeal to uh, like my 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 son that's eleven now? How Same you- thing that they did with us. They just played it. Mm. They didn't care what you, you don't like. need to like uh, up the tempo or you know what I mean. Do something I mean, to the music so it can have like a fresh kind of feeling. The fresh take is what you give to it. The music is just a template. So, like, the music has the same similar feeling and all that, but the the lyrics that I bring to it and the way that I sing it, like, even the wake up in the morning, thank God I'm here. One, this is like, yeah, that sounds kind of old, but then when I say my breakfast blunt lit, good vibes floating through the air, they're like, oh, shit, no, that's new. Ain't nobody singing about blunts in the 70s, nigga. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, fuck, hold up. Now I got my own groove music that's in my generation, and I can smoke to this shit. Like, even when I was like, I like my skies blue water. I like smoke green ganja. I like my rose red. Fuck niggas can't roll with me. Like, like oh yeah. shit, yeah, nigga, fuck niggas can't roll with me, nigga. Fuck these niggas, yeah. Cause that's that new shit. Yeah, yeah. But it still got that old school influence. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. Like, that's the reason why G Funk became such a hit because it's like you can't deny funk music. So when you heard Like you're like, oh shit! And you're like one, two, three, and to the fault. Snoop Doggy Dogg and Dr. Dre is at the dope. So it's like you're like, god damn, that's Lenny Hayward's. I want to do something freaky to you, 1974. But this is 1992, and this is Snoop doing a whole another thing to it. Fuck, this is fucking dope. I got a, I got a whole another old school shit in my generation. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I'm just bringing the old school to my generation, even a younger generation, because let's be honest, how many young parents today are jamming that shit? For their kids. They like, jamming Lil Baby. They jamming Amigos. They jamming yeah. all. So it's like, we need that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Even when we grew up, like, I, I was born in 89. So in the early, like, 2003, I was 13. So we still had good R&B. We had Avance, Rejo, Mine. And we uh, also had motherfucking Crime Mob, motherfucking Gucci Mane. We had, like, motherfucking Outkast. Like, so it was a whole plethora and smorgasbord of music at your disposal. You listen to what you want. You still had Master P and No Limit. You still had Cash Money. You know, let me take it to the neck of the woods in my hood. They they sampled Barry White on that hoe. Dun, 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 dun. Did they? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that's Barry White. I didn't know that. See? <laughs> Forever and ever. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I knew it. Yeah, that's why I'm like, y'all don't even realize they sampling old school shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That same song that everybody be called. All I heard was Weezy, don't kill me no more. I leave your bullshit. I play Matador. I'm out of category. I ain't there with y'all. I got a positive vibe, but I ain't scared of y'all. Nigga, you doing that over Barry White. <laughs> He's doing that over Barry fucking White. Like, you know what I'm saying? You can't yeah. get away from good music. Yeah. Good music is timeless. It will live on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, the game had a song off his 2015 album uh, called um, Magnus Carlson with uh, with Anderson Pack. They samples uh, Stevie Wonder's Rocket Love. Do 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 do. It's all in. This is rap. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. I, you know what I'm impressed by. Because I, I know the I know the song, but I do not know 
the name of the song and or who sings it. Bro, I am but a music you, nerd. <laughs> but once you actually start singing, I'm like, oh, I know that song. I am a music nerd. God damn. That is me. And I'm older than you, so I should be more closer to <laughs> the time. Hey, man, look, I've heard that so many times. Yeah. <laughs> You're so young, you know more than me, man. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is your problem, man? You trying to show me up, man? Like, look. No, bro. I just love music, I'm dog. impressed by that, man, because all these songs we definitely grew up on. I know I definitely grew up on. And I just know it because I used to hear them in the house all the time. And it is it is refreshing for me um, as I get older to hear some of these same like samples in there. For sure. But they, you know, what I mean, they have their own new twist to it. Where my son is now like, oh yeah, 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 I, I know I like that song. You know what I mean? Or I like I, I've heard that song and I'm like, oh, you don't know who that is, huh? Bro, you know what I'm saying? And the wild part is, it's lived through every generation. You got nip on your wall, like, bro. You remember? Um, Actually, no, you don't remember. I I love Nip, so I used to watch Nip clips on YouTube all the time. Me too. But they had this Crip shit, and I can't speak for Crips because I'm not affiliated. I got homies that's Crips or whatever. But they literally, when Nip came into, or no, when Nip's homeboy came into the shit, he said, I'm talking Crip shit to you, baby. Crip, Crip, Crip. That's Tina Marie. Yes. Square biz. Yes. So it's like this music lives in everything. Yeah. It's incorporated in everything. Yeah. You can't get away from it. <laughs> If you like the melody, bro, like what? Uh, Snoop got a song off his Bush album, the 2014, called Peaches and Cream. She about to go in. She likes that low end. Damn, her ass is so big. Just keep it bumping. Peaches and Cream. That's Tina Marie. I need your loving. Mm. And that's the bottom line. I need your loving. Uh. <laughs> Just a little time. I need your loving. So it's like it's it's replayed all the time. You just don't know because you hadn't heard it. Right. Yeah. Man, shoot. They don't want to talk music with me, man. They <laughs> don't want to talk music yes. with me, bro. Dope, man. Damn. I think Tina Marie is probably. Who do you think is the most sampled? Old school uh, artist, easy James Brown. James Brown, yeah, really. The funky drummer is like one of the most uh, sampled records. What's the, fun- what's the funky drummer? You never heard the funky drummer? I probably have, but I just don't know. You know what I mean? Um, I would have to hear it, bro. The you know funky I mean? drummer is. I would have to hear it before fuck. I know. Before I can say one hundred percent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that one. Yeah. Now I'm telling you, man. Look, when you do that. Let's see. Hold on. Let me see if I can play it. Let me get off my live. Sorry, guys. Let me get off my live real quick. Because you've never heard the Funky Drummer. I've heard the name of the song, but I would need to, in order for me to really um, be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Funky Drummer. Hold on. Let's see. I know I've heard it before because I know the, the name of that. For sure. That's why I was like, you know it. You you definitely know it. Let's see. Funky. And my mom my, my mom tell me this story all the time is when she went to uh James Brown concert and There's a drum solo in here. We getting all kinds of flagged on YouTube. Bro, are we? <laughs> are we? There you go. Ain't it funky? Uh, 
Okay. That was it right there. Let's go back. Rap song that I used to have that little one, two, three, four, hit it. Yeah. Yeah. That was one. God damn. Like you hear that even um when you hear Fight the Power by uh Public Enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1989 Get down Sounds of the funky drummer Like yeah Like yeah So nah bro The funky drummer was sampled a lot A lot a lot Mm, Okay Don't you know you got soul Brothers and sisters Like yeah man God damn Alright So man What's the uh, What's the name of the new album coming So the new album that I got coming Is called Stone and B It's a sub genre of Triple D Funk It's just uh some R&B groovy music that you can vibe out smoke to. Um, I really named it Stone and B because every other smoking song that I make after this, um, excuse me, after I make uh, this album is going to be put under the Stone and B genre. So it's like I'm just creating my own lane more because like, I'm the king of this thing that I call the Triple D Funk and the king has to have kingdoms and shit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and territories. So, Stone and B is definitely uh, one of my territories. Like, just nobody's ever really put a name to it. People make smoking R&B music all the time. I just call it Stone and B. So, yeah, that's just the thing, man. Okay. Yes, yeah, right. sir. And here's one thing that I, that I, with independent artists, right? Yeah. Is what I be thinking? Independent artists now, it could because it's so easy to make music mm-hmm. that they make a bunch of music and then they just put it out. Like independent artists, I know is making three and four albums a year. For sure, you know what I'm saying. But I'm like, how can like the with the attention span is being so short? <clears throat> like, I would expect, I would think, as an artist, okay. Independent artists, two albums, push it, push it, push it every six months, and then that way you at least get get some footage because people it's so much so much music coming out mm-hmm. that sometimes people get to the music late. They hear it late, you know what I mean? For sure. And by the time we hear it, that artist has moved on to other music. You know what I'm saying? I'm going through that now. Really? How do you deal with that? Or what, what is what is the solution to that? You just keep creating. Now, I will say I did release two albums in one year. I released one album in May of 2019 and then another one in November of 2019. Um, but since then, I haven't really released. No, I released an album, an EP, and then another album in the same year. Yeah. And I kind of shot myself in the foot. Um, and I say that only because it's it's you're right. Attention spans are um, quick. But at the same time, when you get to a standpoint where you're like, you nobody even really knows you yet. So what you putting a whole bunch of music out for? Because I still got people coming in on my shit from my first album that I put out in 2019. It's 2022. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, yo, man, I just love your song. Which one? ATW. 
Nigga, that's on my first album. Mm-hmm. I got an EP, a whole nother album, and a whole lot of more singles than that. Nigga, how you just... All right, <laughs> fuck. Okay, never mind. So I guess I kind of went too fast. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but when that happened, you know, it's it's a learning experience because it's like, okay, if they're just now catching on to my shit, that doesn't mean I can't put it out. But it's like even when I first found out about Big Crit, I've been a Crit fan since 2009. But I didn't listen to Return of Forever that came out in 2011 until 2012. Mm. Then I went back to Crit was here because I didn't listen to the whole mixtape of 09. So it's like, you know when you like an artist song, it makes you want to go back into go the list back. of that catalog? Like, I literally just went through um, I just went through Freddie Gibbs' uh, catalog because I just watched that nigga on the show Bust Down, and I'm like, Freddie Gibbs is a dope rapper. I did see that nigga a couple times. I did see him or hear him on this song. Let me go listen to his shit. And I ended up listening to the whole damn his whole damn catalog. I'm like, oh, this nigga's hard. God damn. <laughs> so you realize, look, you're, there's going to be people that catch on to your shit quick. There's going to be people that catch on to it late. That you just can't stop. Mm. It's just that it's, you get into that that mode. Like, all right, when you pick up on it is when you pick up on it. I'll be at whatever point in my career by then. But, hey, you got a lot to catch up on. Like, I tell people when they first meet me, oh, your song is dope. All right, cool. You got 23 more to catch up on before you even get to that one. Mm. You know, like, oh, damn, you got that much music? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I do. Do you, you um, what is your, like, your writing process or even coming up with, like, ideas? What is, what is that process like? Ideas come from, well, when I get a beat off of YouTube, the beat already comes, like, with a name, so... If the name is kind of gives me an idea and I can relate to that name, I kind of go with that concept. If I already wrote something and have a song that can go to it, I'll just put that song to it. Um, and that happens a lot in artistry. Like you'll hear yeah. one beat and write to that whole, like, oh, this is the song. Then you hear another beat. Oh, nope, I'm going to put that song to it. <laughs> I'm going to put this song to that beat. Yeah, that's going to be fire. So it's just, it's just a whole constant thing. But my writing process, when I'm locked in, and I, what I mean by locked in is like when I've heard a beat that just moves me, oh, I could write a song in 20 minutes. Mm. Now, if I'm working on a concept for somebody or something like that, or collaborating, it might take a few hours, but something that really moves me, like floating. Oh, I wrote floating in 30 minutes. And the crazy part about it, I freestyled all that shit. Floating is hard. Like, no, man. I was with my homeboy AX at AX's crib. Shout out my nigga AX. I was over here like, yo, this beat is fire. And I just went out, sun is shining, grass is frosted. <clears throat> Winter time in Dallas, my day off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A nigga feeling good this morning. Yeah. And ideas for my brain while yawning. Yeah. I call my nigga simple love. Cause I'm over there. And they brought that gas. That's what's up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so, like, when you feel it, you feel it, bro. Like, you, you, it's really like no explanation. You just feel it, bro. You just feel it. Like, yeah. that's it. So, my process is like, Chris said, if it don't touch my soul, then I can't listen to it. That's something that I really, I really hold even in my writing process. If it doesn't touch my soul when I hear that, I can't write to it. Mm, so, like, when you hear songs like I Like It or, like, Floating, even a do-do-do, you don't even realize I sampled the floaters in that song. I didn't. Float, 
float on, do do do, float on, float on, do do. You don't know that song? I, I Cancer, and my name I, is Larry. No, no, I do. I know the song, but so, I didn't hear it. You I did. You hear. did. Cause I'm so high. Float on, float on. It's right there, somewhere across the sky. Float on, float on. It's right there in your face. <laughs> <laughs> see, but I like that though. I like when I'm. See, what I don't like is when I can definitely tell. Like, okay, this is a sample exactly from this. Unless it's done really well. Yeah. I kind of like it to be a little hidden and feel new. For sure. You know what I'm and saying? And that's what I work. That's the craft that I'm talking about. You have to be able to put that into your song and make it seem. Not even make it seem like it's yours because you don't want to be biting. But you want to make it seem like, look, this is something new. But Ooh. it's coming from something old. Yeah. Because you already know the scripture. There's nothing new under the sun. Right. So if it's already here, all you're doing is just recreating it to fit your narrative at the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So that's really all that it is, bro. Really. That's all it is. Yeah, man. And I be trying to tell them, I'm like, bro, my music is no different from than the music in the 70s. It's just I'm a dude in 22, uh, 2022 that's doing it. That's it. Yeah. And man. I'm I'm it's it it's crazy that you didn't even like recognize that. I I'm didn't. So high. No, no. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I didn't, man. Let me let me give uh get the people a little sample. Oh, go ahead. Get the people a little sample since we already flagged like a motherfucker on YouTube. Zeus to my right, he's sipping. Yeah, I hear a different. I hear something different that. Every time we smoking on that fire. Those those keys. Yep. And you just added the old to the new shit. Feel like Doctor Strange. I'm bending time. From blunt to roast, then I hit rewind. I'm floating, floating. Yeah, 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 yeah. We floating, floating, floating. Yeah, yeah, See yeah, that yeah, don't sound float. like float, float on, float on. Watch, I'm finna hit it. Yeah, 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 we float. Here you go. Mm. See? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then watch the ending. <laughs> this is hard, man. I'm telling you, bro. Look, there is a method to the madness. This is hard. This is hard. Man. So, are you doing um any like performances anywhere? Yeah, man. After I leave you, I got to go sing the national anthem at a at a basketball game. Really? Which is crazy. I ain't never sang the national anthem before. Like oh, at a game, up? yeah, straight up. This is my first time. Like I'm, I ain't gonna lie. I'm kind of nervous as fuck. Like <laughs> shit. Okay. Like you ever seen Carl Lewis sing the national anthem? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'd be like, hey man, look, Lord Jesus, I, I'm come to you today. Yeah. Do yeah. not let me pull a Carl Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. Yeah, man. Leave your social, man, where anybody can get a hold of you. If people want to send you beats. How can they do that too? Oh man, nah. For any producer out there that wants to send me beats, I'll shoot you my email. That's Tony J R D T X at gmail.com. T O N Y J R D T X at gmail.com. 
If you want to follow me on all social media platforms, it's Tony Jr. Double underscore music. T O N Y J R Double underscore music. Uh, if you want to follow and listen to the music, all streaming platforms, just search in T O N Y J R, all one word. You know, we out here. You know. That's what's up. And man. honestly, bro, hold up. How have I gone this far without giving props to my nigga God, bro? Because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be doing none of this shit. You know what I mean? Like, he's the one that gifted me and put me on the path to do everything that I do. So, all that I have in this world is his. You know what I mean? And he gave it. So, you got to stay humble about it. You know, I try to make sure that people don't think that, yeah, this is just me doing this shit. Hell no, nah, bro. Because if that was the case, I'd be lost, lost, lost. So, Everybody that's coming to my life or everybody that's I randomly ran into, it was definitely, like, for a reason. And that's what keeps you going, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's I will say this, though. Like, I don't know if we're going to go or not, but it, no, I'll say on. this, bro. Like, knowing that you're on the right track from the signs that God gives you is, like, the littest shit ever. Because you got so many people talking about, well, why don't you do it this way? Why don't you do it this way? No, I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can do that. And it's just like, nigga, if I listen to all y'all, I wouldn't be no fucking where. Right. Because you don't realize people just projecting their fears and insecurities on you. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, once you realize that, because if you think about all the people that we talk about, Moses, Joshua, Jesus, Samson, every vision that God gave them, shit was hard as fuck. It wasn't easy. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you, you, we don't even pick up on that shit. You always talk about how great these people were, but... Even Jesus said there's no greater prophet than my servant John, but even he's least in the kingdom, so we're better than them. We don't even realize it. So it's like if God could do shit for them, what the fuck make you think he ain't going to do that same shit for you, bro? You know what I'm saying? Like, I like how you put God and shit in the same shit. yeah, bro. <laughs> hey, look. Jesus cussed, bro. Now that I've actually like learned the history of swear words and all that shit, I realize I'm like, bro, y'all made this shit bad. Like, it's human, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, when I learned that the word fuck means to strike, like, for all those who don't know, go on Netflix and watch the history of swear words. There's so many people that will tell you where the origin of these words came from. They're not bad at all. Mm. They're not. They're not. And the only cuss word that Jesus uses, one we use all the time, whoa. Jesus whoa. On, whoa is a cuss word. What? And in the Hebrew and Greek, it is a cuss word. It means damned. Oh, damn. That's why he always... Mm. Woe is me You know what No He always said You know what Let's fucking go there You ever notice Jesus never cussed nobody Except religious people Yet you try to g Tie Jesus into a thing Called religion If you read mm. the bible bro If the bible was a comic book Jesus' arch nemesis Would be the Pharisees Sadducees And teachers of the law Those are religious people Of the day mm. Yet you try to tie him In a religion It never said he came To establish a religion It said he came To establish a kingdom Y'all don't read <laughs> You know what I'm saying it's like, bro, like, I'll say it like this. We call ourselves Christians, right? Mm -hmm. The person who made up the word Christian didn't even follow Christ. So why would you want to be labeled by somebody who didn't even follow the dude you're talking about? They were called people of the way before they were called Christians. Really? Real shit. Jesus was never religious. So why are you tying him to religion? Mm, bro, like, this yeah, is real deep. shit. Yeah, yeah, This is real shit. And... For those who were like, oh, how the fuck does he know? Because I know there's people out there mad at me right now. <laughs> but it's just like, bro, if you go back to the original writing, I went and said the original Old Testament is written in Hebrew and Aramaic. The New Testament is written in Greek and Latin. So there's no way you can interpret through English definitions. Like, case in point, 
in English we say I love you, right? Mm-hmm. Did you know in the Greek there's four definitions for the word love alone? No. Philadelphia, philo, brotherly, agape, unconditional, and there's two more. I forgot the other two off the top of my head. But yeah, there's four different definitions. That's why in English when you say I love you, the first question we ask is what you mean? Mm. So it's like, how can you take the mm, 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 mm. Okay All the church folks, I'm ready for the smoke Be fruitful and multiply Fill the earth and subdue it Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air And everything that moves along the ground People say in the church, be fruitful means to have kids That's not true Fruitful in the Hebrew means to produce fruit You're thinking of fruit of your loins No Produce fruit means create yourself a product. Mm. So when he says be fruitful and multiply, be productive and multiply your productivity. McDonald's is doing Genesis 128 when they don't even know it. Mm. Because watch this, they create a product, the Big Mac. Yeah. Then what they do? They multiplied multiply. it. Then they fill the earth with there's a McDonald's on every corner. Then they subdued it because they're controlling the entire area. McDonald's fries are legendary. So you can't go nowhere. Or if you want McDonald's fries, you can't go to Wendy's. Right. If you want McDonald's fries, you can't go to Jack in the Box. You got to go. The Bible is telling you how to come up, bro. Like, so, okay. Inve- mm, uh, what's the first one? What's the first? S- ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you'll receive a return. I do this with my homeboys at the studio all the time. They be like, that is, so, so that means. Right. Actually, no. The second one is the verse has that as investment. But this one is create a product. Okay. We'll think of farmers. What happens when a farmer takes his crops to market? He sells them. So he gets paid. Right. Be an exporter, not an importer. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you'll receive a return on mm. your investment. Mm. Then the verse after that, invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. For you do not know when disaster will come upon the land. Have more than one revenue stream so when the stock crashes, you're not ass out. What is that? Say that verse again. Invest in seven ventures. Mm. Stop there. Have more than one revenue stream. But then it says seven. But then it says yes in eight, meaning get as many as you can, for you do not know when disaster will come upon the land. Mm. So who are the people that profited during the pandemic? All the people that had independent businesses and that sold that shit from the crib. You know what I'm saying? Sow your seed in the morning and at evening. Let not your hands be idle, for you do not know when or I'm sorry, for you do not know what will bring you more profit, one, the other or both. Go to work in the morning. But when you get off work, don't stop working. We're not talking about your job. We're talking about what you really want to do. Right. For you do not know what should bring you more profit. You get paid at this job, but if you work on this one, it might outweigh what you're getting paid at this job. And you don't know what should bring you more profit. This is in the Bible, my nigga. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, is in the yeah. fucking Bible, my nigga. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, come on, dog. Like, dog. Give, and it will come back to you. Press down, shaking together, and running over with some men and women giving to your bosom. The Bible's telling you how to get. You got to give first. The kingdom is a government. When you pay your taxes or tithes to the government, think about it. God owns everything, right? Yeah. So why would he tell you to pay tithes if it's already his? He's trying to test your discipline. Mm. Bro, I'm, oh, we could get into this all. Bro, they don't want to. I'm a preacher's kid, bro. They don't want to talk about this, bro. I've gotten into it with my family over this shit, dog. <laughs> like, so, damn. Okay. So you're saying we're not supposed to tithe? Mm-mm. What are you saying? It says in Deuteronomy 14 what you're supposed to do with your tithe. And what it says, one of the things that it says is you take it and you sow a seed into the place God gives you. But if that place is too far, take your tithe and exchange it for money. 
and then go to where the Lord your God leads you to and then spend it on food. That's Deuteronomy 14. Spend it on food or whatever you want. The church tells you give your tithe to the church. Mm. They won't preach that. Let's mm. like, let's go to Deuteronomy 14, bro, because they always preach bring the tithe to the storehouse, right? Mm. But do you know why they said that? Because the Levites was the only tribe out of the 12 tribes of Judah that did not get an inheritance from God because they worked in the church. So all the tithes from all the other 11 were to the Levites because they only had one job and it didn't bring them profit. So bring all the tithes to the storehouse so there may be meat in my house. Church, they only think about money. But I said everything is God's. 24 hours in a day, 2 hours and 40 minutes ain't yours. 10 mm -hmm. shoes in your closet, one of them shoes, one of them pairs ain't yours. 12 mm -hmm. shirts, two of them shirts ain't yours. Because it's only 10%. Right. You know what I'm saying? But then the dope part about it is the other 90% is his too. So all he's doing is watching to see what you do with it. That's the parable of the talents. You gave five to one, four to other, and one or five to the other, two to one, and another, and one to another one. Then the dude who had five flipped it to ten. The dude who had two flipped it to four. The dude who had one hit it. But he said, "I knew you were a mean person and are uh, wary in your investment." So I went away and hid it. Then the dude was like, "If you knew I was mean, why you ain't put it in the bank to accrue interest?" The whole key from that parable is. The master only gave the money to the servants because they had been around him the whole time. So you know how I flip shit. You know how I work shit. So all these parables is the same thing. The whole earth is God's, but he gave it to us. Mm -hmm. So it's our job to manage it. Mm -hmm. So the main thing that is out of balance in our life is management. Discipline equals management. Because if you can balance time with your family and time with working out, that's managing your time, is it not? Yeah. If you can balance being here to tap in podcast and being with your two kids back at the crib, that's management, right? Yeah. So you're put here to manage. So manage your shit. Yeah. God damn. And wh and what advice would you give on how to manage? Man, I'm still dealing with that shit myself. So I'll say it is a, a everyday struggle. I'll say it is a a constant thing. Uh, our bodies are creatures of habit. So when you want to switch something up is going to be uncomfortable as fuck at first you know it's gonna suck for like the first what seven to eight days but you know after that you kind of get used to it i said that i said that on my my instagram too i said anything that starts off hard always gets easier anything that starts easy always ends up harder Bro, crazy thing you say that. In the song I Like It that I play for you, in the second verse, I say, if it ain't hard, it ain't worth it. Just listen mm. to my sermon. Keep going. And you can meditate, burn the tree down. Just don't lose focus. Mm. Same thing. Same shit. I'm putting the medicine in the sugar. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, no, I feel that 100%. Yeah. Because your body, your body is going to adapt to the hard shit. And it's going to think of ways of making this shit easier. Bro, everything we yes. want to do is hard. You go to the gym to lift weights. You're breaking and tearing your muscles down to build them hoes up. That's hard. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Meditating is hard because our minds be roaming. Yeah. So to sit <laughs> and actually sit and make your mind still is fucking hard. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But that don't mean you don't go through it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like Steve Harvey said, if you in hell, keep going. Why the hell would you stop in hell? <laughs> right, <laughs> what right. kind of fucking sense does that make? You right. know what I'm saying? That shit right. fucking dumb.
So yeah. it's like, no, bro, keep going. Like, because if you stop, you'll be even worse off than if you kept going. Because you know you could have kept going. You want to keep going. You're just choosing not to. Right. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. in everything. That's in your love life. That's in finances. That's in your passions and your endeavors. Like, that's in everything. Like, I read, uh, I read Tim Grover's book, uh, Winning. Um, and one of the things that he was, uh, if you don't know who Tim Grover is, he was the physical and mental trainer of Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, D-Wade, Charles Barkley. Mm. If you've seen The Last Dance, he was the Iranian-looking dude that was talking about Michael's workouts and all that shit. Mm, okay. um, yeah, he wrote a book called Relentless, The Unforgiving Race to Greatness, and he wrote Winning. Uh, I forgot the subtitle of that book. But one of the things that I took away in that winning book was winning doesn't make you heartless, but it will make you use your heart less. And that is real shit because mm. no matter what it takes, winning is always at the finish line. He's you got to catch up to me because mm. and the fun, the crazy part that fuck uh, that fucks up people, they don't even realize winning one time is one thing, but to do it again over and over, yeah. and you can't go at the same way that you won the first time, right? So people be like, "Oh, Mike won six rings because it was a different league back then." No, Mike trained different. Like even Tim Grover says in the book. Kobe trained hard. Mike trained smart. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. Kobe was nonstop. Nonstop. Let's do this. Let's do this. RIP to my nigga because I miss being for real, for real. But it's like he trained nonstop. Mike knew what to do, how to do it, when to do it, when to execute, and he could rest in between. Mm. Kobe didn't know that. All he knows is go, 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 because I'm trying to get all the da, 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 da. But even resting is a part of winning. Right. Because you can't go nonstop. You're going you're gonna to catch burnout. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. You got to yeah. rehabilitate. You got to chill. You got to uh, refocus. Like, even Tim Grover said in his book one time, he was like, this one dude that Mike was playing with, um, his play started to lack in the playoffs. And Tim Grover just asked him, like, why is your play fucking up this, that, and the third? And he was like, oh, well, I'm eating healthier now. I'm not smoking my uh, I'm not smoking my cigars uh, and cigarettes a day, da-da-da-da-da. So I'm cool now. And he's over here just like, get back on that shit. <laughs> yeah. And when he did, his play elevated. Michael smoked a cigar before every game. Mm. I learned that from the book. That's not even in the last dance. He smoked a fucking cigar and had a steak before every fucking game. To trainers, that's fucking suicide. Like, what the fuck are you doing? But you realize Mike oh. eats his pregame meal six hours before the game. So if you eat carbs and pasta, you're hungry again by game time. Mm -hmm. So you need something heavier mm -hmm. to sustain because Mike exerted a lot of fucking energy. So you can't make it on pasta. Right. So right. everybody's formula for winning is not the same. Tim Grove even says in his book, I'm not going to give you a two-step program to winning because, honestly, there are no – because every time you give somebody a one through five step, they think one's the most important and five is the least important. Every step that he puts in his book is number one, number one, number one. So you treat it all the same because winning is unforgiving. It does not give a fuck how you feel. It does not give a fuck what you went through. It don't care about the breakup you just went through. It don't care about that your mom died. It don't care about nothing. Mike had to play a whole playoff with his father missing. Right. Kobe had to play through the playoffs with, with his dad, not at the game because he didn't approve of his wife. Right. You know what I'm saying? He had to play through a playoff 
when they had rape charges on him. Ex- that's when the Mamba <laughs> was created. That's what Tim Grover said. He yeah. said the Black Mamba was created during the rape case. He needed a place that he could go to get away from everybody. It was the Mamba. The Mamba didn't give a fuck. The Mamba would fight you. The Mamba would literally stare in your face while you're actually faking throwing the ball at that nigga. I don't give a fuck, nigga. What the, what the fuck are you? Yeah. But mind you, he's doing all this winning, but at the same time, after the game's over, he got to go back to the bullshit. Go back to Colorado for court cases. To keep yeah. that up, my nigga, takes hella mental focus, bro. Yeah. But we be over here like, I want to win. But then as soon as it's raining outside, oh, I ain't going to run. Yeah. yeah. Oh, as soon as your leg hurt, oh, I ain't going to go do that today. I teach kung fu. So, like, my, I, it's a, it's, kung fu is more of a mental discipline to me than it is physical. But at the same time, it's because you're literally sitting in stances like – we say, like, the Western world uses weights for their weight. We just use gravity. You don't mm. even realize how strong gravity is holding you to the earth. Mm. So literally just sit in a stance like this with your muscles continually contracted. Boy, your mind would be like, hey, nigga, I want to get up, dog. <laughs> hey, nah, nigga, my legs is burning. Let me get up. Because even when you lift weights, you have a resting period. You have a resting period at the top and a resting period on the way down before you exert again. Mm-hmm. Kung Fu, you're sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> like, fucking sitting there, my nigga. Like, you, there is no rest. The rest is in the mind. Like, I'm not here. I'm on the beach. I'm chilling. <laughs> but my, my my legs are on fire type shit. How long like, you been in Kung Fu, man? Uh, I've been doing Kung Fu, like, for over a year. It'll be two years in November now. But uh, really? I've, my Sifu says I've done more in my two years than the average person takes in their four years to get somewhere. I'm already four fringes away from black, and I've already been doing it two years. God. But I learned, again, with music, the things that you like is what you gravitate toward. Mm. I love kung fu, so I do it all the time. You know what I mean? It's fun. It's enjoyable. Like You know what I'm saying? So I love it. God damn. Literally, I just came, man, shout out my Kung Fu brothers and sisters. Shout out White Lions of Shaolin. We out here. I literally just left Kung Fu to come here. Really? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't work out today. I was like, look, we had class at noon, but I was like, hey, yo, I got a podcast at one, Sifu. I can't work out today, but I'm here. So I was there for 20 minutes and came right to this motherfucker. God damn. Hell yeah. That's that's dedication. Bro, and Sifu, Sifu moved the location to a different thing, and he said right when we started class, I was just doing it to see who would actually come. And I was like, see, I'm fucking dedicated. I ain't never practicing today, nigga, but I'm here, bro. I'm here. <laughs> like, no, I am here, my nigga. That's I'm that here. management. That's the management you was talking about. Man, what? Because I ain't going to lie. If it wasn't for the, that new massage gun, my legs would be on fire. My body would be dying. Kung fu is no joke. People be thinking that Tai Chi in the park. That slow shit where you be doing this shit is all. But, like, bro, y'all don't realize our muscles are tense the whole time. Mm. So you're creating tension while you're cutting through the air. This is the same thing that they do in a workout. We do the same thing to this. You can build your muscles doing this same shit. Just keep them contracted the whole time. And these are all kung fu strikes that I'm doing. You don't even realize it. Like, Yeah, it's a whole thing, bro. I'm telling you. Like, it's fucking lit. I showed I mean, one dude one time, like, what, uh, could we have one form where you come like this, roll here, and then do that. And it was like, man, it looked like some choreo. I said, okay, stand in front of me. And I did that to that nigga in his turn. Oh, shit, <laughs> nigga. Goddamn. Like, <laughs> fuck. He's like, okay, this is real. This is real. Okay. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, nigga, this ain't no fucking game, bro. Yeah. That's why we don't fight. Like, 
the more you learn kung fu, the more you don't want to fight. I know like twenty ways to kill a nigga. Like right now, like that's a fucking court case, bro. I ain't trying to do that. Yeah. I'd rather just de-escalate <laughs> the situation. Let's yeah. chill out. Let's go home. You know what I'm saying? Shit, I need I need to do some some uh, tai chi or something like that, bro. Just to slow my mind down, Pull man. Pull up. That's you know what, what that's bro. We got people in our classroom. I teach kids class, but even adults class, we got kids in uh or people in adult class from age sixteen all the way to seventy one. Really? Yeah. Shout out Miss Mabel. This uh <laughs> beautiful black lady, seventy one, still doing kung fu. Like really? for real, yeah. She in good shape too? Yeah. Really? Man, there's a dude, um, he's sixty. This nigga used to do gymnastics in college, and he's 60, still doing his workout. Like, he taught me a routine. You do a front roll on the ground, and out of, you, out of that roll, you go into a handstand. Turn around in the handstand, land backwards, and roll backwards into another handstand. This 60-year-old dude showed me that. God. He's 60. Golly. This nigga's 60. Yeah. yeah. And you see black folks and all shit, man, shit, the good Lord just let me <laughs> move around. I'm like, y'all don't even understand, bro. You got to keep using your muscles. Muscle atrophy is real. If you don't use it, you will lose it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, nah, bro, you got to make sure you keep your body right. Yeah. I'm going to pull up one of these days or even just meet you in a park or something. Bro, you'd be surprised how many people say, yo, let's meet in the park and teach me some of this shit. I'm like, okay. Don't hate me afterwards, but okay. No, I ain't, I ain't gonna hate you. I ain't, I ain't gonna hate you. I'll be mad as a motherfucker. That that that's true. <laughs> that that now that part is true. You you will be a little irate. I will not lie to you about that. Oh shit! I will not lie about that. Yo man, I appreciate you, Tony man, for tapping in with us, man. Ah man, nah for sure, man. Yeah. I definitely. I'm trying to be like uh, Boosie on Vlad TV. I'm just trying to be back. Yeah, whenever. You know? Just pull up, man. Just let me know. As you can pull see, up, I man. got a lot of stuff to talk about. Hell yeah. We can do a whole religious episode if you want. Bring the smoke from the church folk. Get the callers on the line. I'm down. You know? I'm down. I'm down. I am too. I'm down. I, I got to bring somebody that, uh, yeah, we going to talk about it. I Bro, bring I'm saying, yeah. look, one thing I learned about God, when you handle the kingdom business, he'll handle your business. And that's all I'm doing. People be like, yeah, you going to talk about your music on this shit? Nah, nigga, I really just be talking about biblical stuff. That's what I be doing all the time, just reading mm. and just learning, bro. Jesus said, what, in Matthew 13, 24? Don't quote me on that. It might be that. It's been given, you to, uh, given to you to know the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom, but to others on the outside I speak in parables. Though they have eyes to see, they do not see. Though they have ears to hear, they do not hear. So I'll give you one little tidbit before we go. You read the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in spirit. That's where the kingdom keys start. Because when he says the first king he gave was blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Spirit in the Greek means attitude. So you might be asking why am I blessed when I know my attitude is poor? Because when you know your attitude is poor, you're open to another way of thinking. And that's mm. when the kingdom can actually permeate your mind to another way. When Jesus tell you to, tells you to repent, repent in the Greek and Hebrew doesn't mean to like go down to an altar and confess your sins. It literally means to change the way you think. So when Jesus is saying repent He's not doing no religious shit He's saying change the way y'all niggas think Cause y'all niggas is fucked Cause There's a whole nother way And you niggas is doing that shit backwards Dog Like case in point dog When the Pharisees tried to get this nigga bro I'm gonna look at all these cameras When the Pharisees tried to get this nigga bro They was like yo should man divorce his wife For any and every reason 
they didn't be we as people didn't know divorce back then was worse than it is now i i studied this shit if a woman even sneezed the wrong way a nigga would divorce her if she walked in the room when grown men were talking he would divorce her if she cooked the food wrong he'd divorce her if she didn't tell him that she had her period before they got married he could divorce her type shit so jesus is like yo didn't you read in the beginning god made them male and female Mm. he ignored the question because like that's the wrong question you're answering who are the people in the marriage the marriage is not fucked up marriage is a god-based union it's the people in it that are fucked up because here's the case people are talking about well i'm tired of being single have you really been single because right. if, you, if you look up the definitions for single it's a five-fold definition it means different set apart unique original and whole Mm. Have you been all of that? Mm. Let's start with different. Do you think different? Mm. Unique. Is there anything unique about you? Original. Do you have your own style? Do are are you still following trends? Are you still following what's going on in social media? Are you set apart? Meaning I know my path is different from everybody else and I'm okay with that. And the most important part, are you whole? Mm. Is your best friend you? Mm. Can you go to a four-star restaurant by yourself? And be cool. Can you go on vacation by yourself and be cool? Can you go do this by yourself and be cool? But you notice those are the five things that actually make a person attractive to you. Right. So there's a difference between uh-huh. being single and alone. Right. You're alone. <laughs> you ain't been single yet. Yeah. So no, bro. God was like, bro, the, the man and woman in Genesis 1 and 2 is not the same man in Genesis 3 and 4. Because of the sin, because of the fall. That's what Jesus was talking about. He's like, if you want God's product of this marriage, go back to the original man. The original man, one, did not know he was alone. Adam didn't know he was by himself. God said it's not good for a man to be alone. Then on top of that, he had a vision and a job. This nigga was naming so many animals, he didn't even know he was alone. This, In other words, he was so busy. So ladies, hear me when I'm talking right now. This is the type of dude you should be looking for. So another one, he didn't know he needed to be married to fulfill his destiny because the truth is you don't. Mm-hmm. Come on, bro. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can, we could talk, bro. Like yes. you know what I'm saying. So yes, the person you should be looking for and how you know you're ready for marriage is when you don't want to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That because like an oxymoron. it is it's a <laughs> paradox it's a paradox because look you know you're married you're you know you're ready for marriage when you don't want to be why because i'm cool by my oh, fucking second. self yes if i want you in my space it's because i choose to have you here if you leave i am still good my nigga yeah. like what is you saying yeah. so no Y'all out here, y'all ain't ready for marriage yet. Y'all ain't been single yet. Yeah. <laughs> like, shit, fuck out of here. Talking about you ready for marriage. I'm ready for my other half. That's how I know you ain't ready. You're supposed to be no, whole. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> Yo, man, I'm definitely bringing you back, and we going to have. Bro, we can we, do that. We going to have some 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 Christians, some female Christians on. I would love that. Man. I would love that. Yes, we going to do that. <laughs> we going to definitely do that. Yo, man, thank y'all for tapping in, man. This has been the Tap In Podcast. Already we out.